you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. It's your boy Rob Clark, and this is the Lone Gummin Podcast, episode number 16, baby. Oh, what a day. I'm glad it's Friday. I hope you are too. Couple things straight off the jump street here. I just want to say thank you again to everybody out there listening. Liking, sharing the Lone Gunman and the Dallas action. It's awesome. And, and, and we appreciate it very much. Because that's the only way we can get the word out to people. Is if you help us. So if you like what you are hearing. Please. Share it with your friends. On social media. Just drop a link on their page. Drop a link on their Twitter. Um. You know, this is the grassroots movement. This is the this is the new school. This is the way we're going to do things from here on out. You know, the old the old uh, researchers and first generation researchers are dying out. They're dying off. They, you know, a lot of them have found what's going to be found in the archives. And what we're left to do with now is put the pieces of the puzzle together. And a lot of people have a lot of pieces of the puzzle. But one person is not going to be able to figure this out on their own. It's going to be a collaborative effort. And that's where you come in. We need your feedback. Uh, we need your participation. And and I, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, interacting with, 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 the, with the listeners out there. And... You know, it's it's really awesome, you know, to meet uh, new people that share an interest in this. Because, like I've said before, you know, in, in your real life, um, you know, your friends probably could give two shits about the JFK assassination. You know, it's a very personal thing, and a lot of our friends are still asleep. They're still... As in not awake yet. As in they don't realize what's going on or what's happened. And what's still going on to this day. What's going on around them. You know they live in this fantasy world where everything's just okay. And that's not the case at all. So. Once again I thank each and every one of you. And. I had a really awesome conversation. With with a listener this week. And, and Ben you know who you are. Um, you know we picked each other's brains pretty good. And, uh, 
I really enjoyed it, and, and that's why I'm doing this. You know, if, if nothing else ever comes out of this, just just being able to meet new people that that share the same interests, and you know, build friendships and, and make new friends and new connections. You know, just somebody to bounce your ideas off of. You know, it's it's it, this is a very lonely hobby, and uh, that's why I appreciate all the connections that 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 this affords me. And if you haven't already, please make your way to Black Op Radio. Click on the Radio Archives link and click on, I believe it's the June 25th link. Uh, and you will find Mr. Doug Campbell, the host of the Dallas Action, kicking it up with Len Osanic at Black Op Radio for the second time. And this, the cat's out of the bag now. We can, we can, we can share this. Because Lynn, Lynn said it on Black Op that Doug is going to be a reoccurring uh, guest, probably probably once a month or so, uh, on Black Op Radio, which is freaking awesome, man. I mean, when me and him were kicking around this idea of doing this, and uh, you know, we had small small dreams. You know, we were just two cats that that. You know, love talking about the assassination, love researching, and you know we we love listening to Black Op Radio because it's it's an outlet that we didn't normally have. It's you know a couple hours a week that we could you know hear other people talk about the assassination, and you know we felt there was a big void. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said before, what Lynn does is awesome. It's it's awesome for the community and. Uh, you know, there's a couple other people out there doing, doing things, um, and, you know, me and Doug thought it would be a good idea to pop up out of nowhere and, uh, and do something with all the knowledge that we've amassed in the past 25 years about the case and, and open up our brains and spill it out on the table and, uh, play around with it, kick it around share what we know, share what we think we know, and uh, everything we don't know, and hopefully create a dialogue and uh, get people to think, because that's the only way we're going to move forward, is to get people thinking, and you don't have to agree with what I say, you don't have to agree with what Doug says, in fact, you know, we don't want that at all, you know, it's... It's all about creating a conversation and, and thinking. You know, I'm open to just about anything except for things that are just blatantly disinformation like Oswald in the doorway and the whole Cinque crew and Fetzer and all those clowns over there. And, yeah, you know, I just don't have time for that shit anymore. I put in my time fighting them. You know, I did 30 blog posts refuting everything they say, and I'm done. You know, if somebody else can take up the can take up the mantle. You know, and, and and people are. You see it in the you see it in the uh, in the in the Facebook groups, and you know, people aren't buying their bullshit anymore. You know, the way they talk to people is is horrible. They talk down to them. They, you know, they speak as though what, whatever they say is is freaking etched in, etched in stone. 
you know, like, like, like their word is the final word. Well, sorry, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, eventually, and it's already happening, you will be marginalized and you will have no voice at all in this community. And I can't wait till that day happens. And also tonight, I would like to, uh, well, the reason I played the song is because, <laughs> yeah, I was kicked out of the uh, JFK Assassination Research Bureau Facebook group today for posting an HSCA exhibit and testimony about the uh, rifling marks on the test bullets that were fired and how they did not microscopically match the test bullets fired by the FBI after the assassination. Because I guess apparently for some reason they couldn't get, you know, C-399, the magic bullet. But they test fired the Carcano after the assassination. And they matched those bullets rifling to the C-399. And they said they matched well, when the HSCA test fired the rifle 15 years later, they didn't match what the FBI had test fired. So, you know, the conclusions you can draw from that are many. And the explanation that they give, the so-called gun experts of the HSCA... Is it is it's just the age of the rifle and and it uh, you know it, it's it's uh, not been taken care of for the past 15 years and this explains the difference in the rifling marks on the bullets and if you want to buy that if you want to buy that explanation feel free and go ahead and buy it you know I just posted it as you know a topic to talk about well. One of the administrators there, Greg Ross, who apparently is a lone nutter, which I didn't know about before. Uh, you know, as soon as I posted it, he, he decided to comment on it and uh, say, oh, this is bullshit. You know, uh, you didn't include the, the, you know, the bottom part of the testimony where that explains why they don't match. And this is why, he said, this people like you are an embarrassment to the JFK community. I was, you know, and I'm like thinking, you know what, for somebody that's fought for years against people that are true embarrassments to the JFK research community, Ralph K., Richard Hook, Jim Fetzer, um, that comment really rubbed me the wrong way, okay, because... For one, I've never got into it with this guy before, and I know he's an administrator there, but I'm sorry. Just because you're an administrator in a group does not give you the right uh, to police everything posted, it, posted there and draw your own conclusions about whether or not it's relevant and ban people for posting things that you don't agree with. You know, it's 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 really not innocuous i mean you know it was a a fairly simple simple straightforward post 
of which it was a screenshot. Okay, I didn't I didn't link the original uh, the original report that I found it on. I had taken a screenshot because it included a picture of the two bullets. You know, with the testimony below it. So when I screenshotted it, I could only capture what was on the screen. You know, I couldn't I couldn't get all the testimony in the picture and the bullets. You know, so it is what it is. You know, it said what it needed to say. But for this guy to call me out like I'm some kind of 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 disinformation guy or or you know, I don't know what he thought I was trying to do, but you know, and I'm not one to sit idly by, especially when I'm not doing anything wrong and and be taken to task by some asshole who's got his panties in a bunch for some reason. So you know, me and this guy, you know, I said back to him, I said, Look, I said, What's bullshit is 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 their explanation of why the rifling doesn't match. I said, you know, it's because of age. I said the rifle is an eighteen ninety one Carcano. It's already seventy years old at the time of the JFK assassination. It's already an old shitty piece of shit rifle. You know, what's gonna change after fifteen years and, and it's been test fired a couple of times? Nothing. It should rifle that bullet the same as it did in nineteen sixty three. Okay? Especially if it's been stored in a box somewhere in a sterile environment like the archives and not messed with for 15 years you know <laughs> it's it's common sense and uh so after i posted that i said you know quit acting like a child grow up and and you know maybe we can have a discussion about this well that was it your boy your boy your boy was banned after that and i'm not begging to get back in this time because it's happened to me one other time where uh, somebody banned me for no reason whatsoever among among other people. And we finally took care of that problem and got back in. And it hasn't been the same since. So, you know, screw that. I, I'm, not, I'm not playing them games, you know. I'm just not. I'm, just, I'm, I'm too old for this high school bullshit. So F them. That's, that's my theory. You know, I've got other groups to post in. I've got my own group to post in. And, you know, groups like JFK Uncensored are great. They're doing it good. So if you want to join a really good Facebook group about JFK, look up JFK Uncensored. Okay, there's, a, I would say, 90% of, of the greatest minds of of the assassination that are on Facebook are in this group. Okay, and... There's intelligent discussion going on, and we treat each other civilly, and, and nobody's an asshole, and if they are, they're dealt with swiftly. So, I would recommend that group to check out. Alright, now that that's off my chest and out of the way, let's get into what we're getting into here. And I apologize for the big long intro, but it is what it is, and I'm pissed off, and it just so happens tonight's when I record a podcast, so... That's that. So if you miss me in the in the research bureau, you know why. And you can tell them how you feel about it. And how fair that is. But tonight I want to talk about an article. And I know 
there's going to be detractors they say it's all bullshit there's, there's no substantiation there's no citations there's it's it's all speculation blah 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 okay we know this all right so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to take all the warren commission testimony about the about the texas school book depository and the workers in there okay and i'm going to ball it up into a little piece of paper and i'm going to lay it on fire and throw it out the window because that's what it's worth okay now as far as who was telling the truth about what was really going on in the building i don't know but there's some odd shit going on in there now let's start with bill shelley okay there was a journalist by the name of elsie glaze okay in in the 70s and 80s and they were Dallas native. And he had uh, several conversations with Bill Shelley, interviews. Uh, interviews with some workers that were at the TSBD. And, of course, this is after the assassination. Now, after the assassination, uh, Bill Shelley goes over with another uh, book company. I'm not sure if it was McGraw-Hill or... or, or uh, I think it was McGraw Hill, uh, but he switched companies. And during the course of these conversations with the journalist, he admitted to being a CIA asset. He said he was in after World War II. He worked in uh, the defense industry and was the CIA worked for the CIA. Now, of course, you know. A lot of CIA assets that are in country are mainly they mainly work under the cover of of bigger things, you know, like journalists or traveling salesmen, quote quote, uh, advertising executives. I mean, they can be anybody really, you know, as long as they're just collecting information to pass back to the CIA about important things that they might be a part of. And the article I'm going to reference is called the, uh, the Spider's Web by William Weston. And I'll post a link to it on the Facebook page. And I would encourage everybody to go read it firsthand because it's a very comprehensive article. And it's going to be hard to really cover it all in this podcast. But I'm going to do my best. And also in the link that I'm going to put up. It's a, it's, I think it's an education form thread that this was posted in. Uh, there's some very interesting posts afterwards um, referencing that post. So if when you're, when you're done reading the article, keep scrolling down, okay? Because somebody by the name of Jerry Hemming, okay, is posting about this article and about other things and about Barry Seal and about things going on with the... Lake Pontchartrain and uh, these different airfields and and things like this. Some of these other things that were asserted in this article. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, one of the things asserted in the article is like like I've said before, and I can't remember where I got it from, is that the Texas School Book Depository moved part of their operation over to the Elm Street building in August. Well, this article says it was that summer, which August is that summer. And 
but yet all the employees speak of being there for a couple years uh, prior. Uh, but there was one employee, I think his name was Joe Bergen, and I think he worked for Scott Forsman, one of the other uh, book distributors. And his son remembers going to see the new office because a lot of these a lot of these uh, guys like McGraw Hill, Bob's Merrill, Stuart Forsman, uh, a lot of these other book companies were had their offices in the Dow Tex building before they moved over to the building on Elm Street, the Bird Building, and this uh, Bergen had a son of course and he remembers going over to see his new office in the, you know that summer of 63 before the assassination and the narrative that I'm going to weave you know that comes from this article it goes a little something like this okay um there was extensive drug and gun running okay coming down from chicago straight down into mexico and south america and they had to come through dallas to do this okay and the article also states that eva ruby jack ruby's sister was involved in this stuff before jack even came to dallas he was still in chicago at the time and she was actually arrested for, for taking part in some of this uh, heroin trade and, and uh, some of these other shady dealings going on. She was, running a, she was running a restaurant in Dallas at the time. I can't remember the name of it right offhand. Um, but she had gotten in trouble. And then shortly thereafter, Jack came down to, to Dallas. And, uh, of course, he was set up you know, with, the, with his clubs and, uh, and all that. And we know Jack had some previous experience uh, running guns and, and vehicles and Lord knows what else, you know, down to, down to Cuba and, uh, and things like that. And I believe it was in 1959. Now, this is an interesting story. He, he, uh, he, he gets into contact with uh, Robert McCown, who was a personal friend of Fidel Castro's. That was actually based in Texas and told him that he he needed he needed McCown to get in touch with Castro and that he would needed to move uh, a bunch of jeeps and equipment down there and McCown said okay well I'm gonna need five thousand dollars Jack Ruby said oh no problem and uh, but apparently he never came back and interestingly enough, McCown recounts um, to the HSCA, a young fellow by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald came to him. It was either in September or October before the assassination. And tried to buy four rifles with scopes, high-powered rifles with scopes, four of them matching. And he said he would pay a thousand dollars okay now you know you know how cheap you know these rifles were back then I think Oswald got supposedly got his for what 20 bucks um, you know in a real decent nice 
kind of rifle would probably ran somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred dollars you know maybe tops back then for top of the line so why was he going to mccown to get four rifles for a thousand or for yeah for a thousand over the ten thousand i don't know it was some astronomical amount and mccown immediately was wary of me was like you know I can't I can't mess with none of this stuff anymore. I'm on probation. I'm not going to get involved with this stuff. And sent Oswald on his merry way. Well, a couple hours later, Oswald comes back and says, have you reconsidered? You know, I can do $10,000 now. And the guy told him, look, you know, for that much money, you can go to the sporting goods store and buy an army an army's worth of rifles okay you don't need to get them from me you know you can go spend a couple hundred bucks and get what you need i don't know why you're coming to me well the reason he was coming to him is so he could procure these rifles and they could be tied back through mccown to castro i'm sure now getting back to the tsbd okay just wipe everything out of your brain that 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 all the shit that's been poured in there by the Warren Commission just throw it away throw away everybody's testimony about what happened that day inside that building just throw it out the window and let's start with a fresh slate okay and let's imagine for a second that the that the planners of this had determined by August of that month that they were going to hit Kennedy in Dallas and uh, they needed a building to do it from and they needed some place for the Patsy to work and they would worry about the logistics later getting the motorcade to come in by the you know right by the building so before these book companies moved over there it was a air conditioner factory and everything was very dirty very dingy very open you know all these floors were wide open it was like a warehouse from top to bottom so when the book companies moved over there and they had to spring for the renovations and the building of their new offices in this building uh, on their own so they built these very nice offices on the fourth fourth floor and uh you know they were really nice top top of the line fluorescent lighting you know heating and cooling you know nice carpet nice amenities and uh you know they were all very happy with the upgrade getting over there but the rest of the floors were severely oil stained and busted up as you can imagine it being an air conditioner factory uh you know for 20 years from you know the, the early 40s to the late 50s um you know it was an industrial warehouse and and the floors were stained they were chunk, chunked out chopped up and the thing that always got me is they had another building you know over where, where Fraser had to park they had another building okay what do they need this building for okay think about this for a second all right you got Frazier and Oswald pulling orders. 
You have Bill Shelley, their immediate supervisor, being the assistant manager of the miscellaneous department. Whatever the hell that is. Okay? And then you have the floor crew. Okay, you got Jack Doherty. You've got Billy Lovelady. You've got Bonnie Ray Williams, Junior Jarman, Harold Norman. Um, trying to remember if I'm forgetting anybody. Danny Arce. Okay, there's your floor crew. Now, none, well, except for Lovelady, none of the uh, floor crew. Well, Arce was was out there too. But the rest of the floor crew crew was inside. Uh, we know Bonnie Ray Williams was up on the sixth floor eating his chicken and smoking a cigarette or whatever he was doing up there as late as twelve twenty. So you know, how 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 is it that, that Bonnie Ray Williams is sitting up there eating his lunch just as calmly as can be by his little lonesome self? Up there beside the sniper's nest and never hears nothing. I mean, if there was a sniper up there behind those boxes, that dude would have been sweating his balls off. Like, when is this motherfucker going to leave? You know? And he would have been panicking. Like, you know, if the president started coming, well, this guy's still up there. You know, he might go to the window and look out and see him and fuck everything all up. Which leads me to believe that the snipers or sniper was not actually on the sixth floor okay and you would think the floor crew would notice you know these 50 60 pound boxes all stacked up in this wall out of the way which they likely did themselves because hello they're re redoing the floor on the sixth floor okay so it kind of makes sense that they would stack the boxes, you know, out of the middle of the floor so they could work or wherever they're working at, you know, to replace the floor. There would be no boxes on it. You know, they would have stacked them up out of the way, you know. You know, it's amazing what happens when you apply a little logic to things. Okay, so, you know, they call it a sniper's nest later, but it was likely, you know, constructed by the guys doing, doing fixing the floor. Excuse me. And then, of course, we have in pictures. Um, Junior Jarman and I think it was Charles Gibbons on the fifth floor. You can see him hanging out the window, and uh, I think Bonnie Ray's at the other window. So we have the three black guys on the fifth floor. Okay. And we also have Jack Doherty stating that he was on the fifth floor at the time he heard the shots. But he didn't see anybody else. Now, the fifth floor was pretty much wide open. Okay, there's no, no stacks of boxes, no, not a whole lot in there. As seen from the, uh, the pictures that, that appear in the Warren Commission volumes. And I'll post a couple of those. Uh, on the Facebook page too, so you can get a sense of, of, of how big these windows are and how much space is on the floor, uh, the fifth floor. And if Jack Doherty was on the fifth floor, he would have seen these guys. 
unless they were hiding somewhere. Okay, and and they say they didn't see anybody, and they would have definitely seen him. You know, ride the elevator up to the fifth floor. There's no way they wouldn't have. I mean, this old rickety ass elevator, freight elevators, would make a hell of a lot of noise, doing their thing. They would have noticed somebody getting off on their floor, but they state they didn't see anybody. So one of them's lying, or they were hiding, and didn't see Doherty at all or the actual snipers were on the fifth floor or they were the snipers I mean the possibilities are endless um, but the thing that struck me is Victoria Adams story and you can read her story in The Girl on Stairs by Barry Ernest and I highly recommend that book it's a great book and Barry, Barry uh he tells a hell of a tale in there about his personal journey into uh, investigating the murder of the president. And he focused on this small little aspect of the, <clears throat> of the assassination and what these girls were doing. Well, they were on the, fifth, the fourth floor watching the motorcade. And after the shots, uh, Victoria Adams and Sandra Stiles decide to book, book it down stairs and head for the grassy knoll because that's where they thought the shots came from. So I would, they estimate less than 30 seconds after the shots, they went out to the to the foyer there on the landing of the back stairway and proceeded to go down from the fourth floor, you know, down to the first floor. And they saw nobody coming down. They heard nobody coming down. They saw nobody coming up. They would have met them. And they state when they got to the bottom of the stairs, they see Bill Shelley by the back door and Billy, Billy Lovelady by the freight elevator. Alright, so, and of course we see Billy Lovelady in the auctions at the time of the shot. So, and I think the black tie man behind Lovelady is Shelley. Okay, that's just my belief. Um, so, pretty quickly after the shots... Okay, we see, or she sees, these two guys that were just outside less than, you know, 10, 20 seconds earlier. They're already inside the building on the first floor towards the back of the building. And what I think is that they were covering the elevator and the back door to allow the snipers to escape, or sniper to escape. And... This little, this little crew that Shelley had over there doing the floors, I'm sure was handpicked by him. Um, these guys were likely paid off. You know, guaranteed nothing would happen to them. And as I've stated before, I've told you about my feelings on Buell Frazier and how he's a liar. And how I think he was involved in, in helping set up and frame Oswald and kind of keeping an eye on him, uh, you know, while he was in Texas and working at the school book depository and giving him a ride to work every day and going shooting with him and hanging out with him. And I think they found a lot of rifles <laughs> that day. I don't know where they found them all. But I think they found a Carcano, or they found the Mauser, which turned into a Carcano. Uh, 
or they found both. I think they found the uh, the Johnson thirty out six rifle of Jerry Hemmings somewhere in Dealey Plaza. Uh, because if you haven't listened to Doug's podcast, he ties it right back to Jerry Hemming and Lauren Hall, and a guy in L.A.'s fingerprints being found on it. And the very next day, they show up at this guy's office and ask him, were you in Dallas yesterday? And how did your fingerprints get on this rifle? So that tells you they had the rifle, and they'd fingerprinted it, and they've already traced it back to these uh, detective agency in, in uh, Los Angeles. And the detectives talk. They tell him straight up, look, it's, uh, it was kind of pawned off on us by Lauren Hall. I guess he needed some money. And he came back with a check and picked it up. It was Jerry Hemming's rifle. He said he was coming to Dallas. So there you have it. I think that rifle was found there. I think uh, Buell Frazier's infield was found somewhere, maybe on the roof. Um... And he might have been a backup passy. And there's some images after the assassination of Bill Shelley, uh, Bonnie Ray Williams, and Danny Arce, and possibly Joe Molina. I'm not sure who the other guy is. I don't even know if he's been identified. Uh, but you see them being stuffed in the back of a police cruiser and taken downtown. And Bill Shelley admitted to this journalist later on that he was charged uh, with con- con- uh, in a conspiracy to murder the president. They, when they got down to the station, they said they charged him with that. And uh, everybody else they took down, they charged him with it. And, of course, the charges got later got dropped, but, you know, that I didn't know that. You know, much like Buell Frazier got charged with it, too. You know, I think the Dallas police uh, kind of knew what was up from the from the get-go. And the Fed swooped in really quick and put the kibosh on all this shit. They said, look, we've got our guy. He, worked, he was by himself. He was a lone assassin. He's crazy. He's a commie. You know, this is our guy. Cut everybody else loose. This is it. We got our evidence, and I also, like I said, I recommend go go listen to Doug on Black Op Radio, and uh, they talk a little bit about the planning uh, in Dealey Plaza and Ed Lansdale being there, and it's really interesting. So I recommend I recommend that highly. Um, also of note, William Harvey. Uh, Big CIA guy. He was uh, working with Jam Wave and and stuff like that. Well, after the assassination, they shipped him to Italy to this really shitty post, and he kind of turned into an alcoholic and and eventually wanted out. So I think it was in 1967 or 69. William Harvey retired from the CIA and went to work for Bob's Merrill. And that is a book company, if you, in case you weren't listening about 10 minutes ago. Which is interesting because 
that tells you that they had ties to the CIA. And they had ties to the TSBD. They had ties to Bill Shelley. So what if, what if, what if, what if, what if this whole operation there on Elm Street at the Book Depository was just a front uh, constructed for your pleasure, constructed for a mission, constructed to serve a purpose for a little while, uh, constructed to be on the parade route, constructed to house and give employment to the assassin or alleged assassin or Patsy and it just blows your mind because nothing nothing about what they tell you makes sense and I don't believe anything the Warren Commission says at all and you can't trust a lot of these people as far as you can throw them uh, because back then, you know, times were tough, money talked, and bullshit walked. And, you know, a lot of these guys were former military. They had ties to, uh, well, you know, being in the military, military intelligence. Uh, they knew what was up. And, or the CIA, or the FBI, or the Mafia. And it's just a whole big conglomeration, you know, right there, smack dab in the middle of Dallas. And now this brings us to the streets of New Orleans, where we left off last podcast. And the image of Bill Shelley, which could possibly be Bill Shelley and Bill Frazier, on the street as Oswald's passing his literature out. And I'll post pictures of this up on the Facebook page. And you can go look for yourself and determine for yourself. You know, this is the uh, research Ralph stole. As it shall forever be known. And if that's them in New Orleans. Because after Oswald screws up when he is doing his flyers. And he puts the address of 544 Camp Street on the flyers. Uh, which could definitely be tied back to Bannister. And I think that's why that Bannister probably put the kibosh on his whole pro-Castro pro uh, Fair Play for Cuba Committee movement. Because Oswald was deep into it. Like I said in the last one. He was going on the radio. He was leafleting. He was getting visible. He was making a name for himself. And it all just stopped suddenly. And that's the only reason I can think of why it would stop suddenly. As if, as if his handlers put a stop to it suddenly. Because he screwed up. And he put the wrong address on the flyer. And it could have been easily tied back to Bannister. And that's why Bannister is one of the first to die. Because you know he knew things he shouldn't have known. About Lee Harvey Oswald and who he was, who he really was. And then we lose Oswald for about a month. He just kind of drops off the map um, and resurfaces in Mexico. And the real key is what the hell he was doing for that month. And uh, we might get, get into that at a later date. 
But, uh, yeah, so that's it tonight. I'll post this Spider's Web article up. It's really interesting to read. It's really thought-provoking. And uh, I really enjoyed reading it. And I hope you do, too. And I enjoyed talking about it. And, of course, I barely scratched the surface of it. I mean, there's a ten, ten tons more. And I urge everybody just to read it. And, like I said, I'll post the links up on the Facebook page, uh, which you can get to through the Spreaker. Just click on my info, and it's all right there. Facebook page, Gmail, uh, Twitter. I made a Twitter. Yeah, I made a Twitter. And nobody's following me yet. So, <clears throat> If you'd like to, if you're on Twitter, uh, click on that and give me a follow, and you you get the links to the episodes that way, or on Facebook, or follow me on Spreaker. It's the easiest way. You'll get a you'll get an email uh, when I, as soon as I post a new show or when I'm on. It's that easy. And uh, so please, please go check out Doug at the Dallas Action. Listen for him on Black Hop every month, and uh, he did a great job this past time. I always look forward to Doug, and uh, keep listening, keep liking, keep sharing, share, share, share. Uh, we appreciate all the support and all the feedback, and this son bitch is in the can, up to the satellite, beam to your ears, and this is Rob Clark, out. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.